welcome to our first podcast of I Dig It. It's a sometimes serious, yet sometimes fun podcast about the world of archaeology and anthropology. I'm Michaela. And I'm Alyssa. And we're your hosts for the next one million years. <laughs> I mean, granted, our voices become archived on all the current formats, and then they just get put into the system for all future archaeologists. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So we've decided to make this podcast not only to occupy our own time during this weird period in world history, but also to document some of our experiences and other people's experiences in navigating through the world of archaeology and anthropology. Michaela and I are both recent master's graduates. I'm now entering a PhD program in anthropology. And I'm looking for jobs because... It's a little difficult going into the adult world after just being in academia the entire time, and mainly because of the pandemic and Brexit. <laughs> so, I mean, it's fair. It's kind of hard to find jobs right now. I think everyone's struggling a little bit, especially us humanities peoples. <laughs> yeah. So in this time of uncertainty, there's one thing I'm certain about. It's that I'm not alone. Yes, and that's awesome. Indeed. Well, you are yeah. never alone. <laughs> never. So, this podcast will talk a lot about the student perspective of going through academia and aim to give advice and bring in different perspectives from archaeology students all around the globe. We'll be talking about our experiences, applications to programs, research, networking, jobs, etc. And in addition to this podcast, we've created a community Discord called I Dig It. It's for archaeologists in all stages of their career, from high school to graduate school to being a working archaeologist. You can find the link on our social medias at I Dig It Podcast on all platforms. Another thing we want to do is bring in your experiences in archaeology. If you have any stories about how you became interested in archaeology, weird or funny experiences in the field, any challenging times you had during your career, or any other personal stories related to archaeology, send them in our socials or at idigitpodcast at gmail.com. Michaela and I both have experience in the U.S. system and U.K. systems, so we'll be speaking from personal experience in those realms. We actually met during our master's degree in England at the University of York, but we both hail from Southern California. Ironically, we never actually met in Southern California, but our paths aligned in another country. And now you're stuck with me for life. <laughs> Oh, I, I actually gotta go. <laughs> what a what a weird time. I, I yeah, I gotta. No, I'm kidding. Our voices will be together forever, forever. So, Alyssa, when did you know it was archaeology? Well, Michaela, I guess I'll go back to entering undergraduate. When I entered my undergraduate degree, I actually wanted to do astronomy and astrophysics. Ooh. which is nowhere near archaeology at all. But mm. <laughs> once I started the astronomy degree, I figured out very quickly that astronomy is less about the stars and more about calculus and math. And I was like, I don't want to spend four years doing math. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> I was in a liberal arts program, we had the opportunity to look around a lot of different um, different departments and kind of test out the waters to see what we like to study. And so I started taking some like history courses. I found anthropology. And there was one course in particular that was super awesome. It was called The Rise and Fall of Prehistoric Civilizations. And it was taught by Professor Deborah Nichols. She is my favorite human being on this planet. Shout out to her. 
Um, but basically, after class, I went up to her and I was like, hey, I really like this course. It sounds super interesting. Do you have any work you need help with? And she was like, yeah, you can come work for me in my archaeology lab on campus. Just and like so, that? Yeah, it was super easy. And that was after like the second class. I just went up to her and I was like, hey, I'm interested in what you're doing. Please help me. It was so cool. Please sponsor <laughs> yeah. me for my life. Sponsor me for life. Take me out of this calculus ridden. I'm just exactly. kidding. Calculus, you know what? If Get you like math, here, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, no no shade to math lovers. It's just not for me. No, no I, I second that. <laughs> so yeah, I started working with her in her lab. And then one day she walks in and she's like, hey, want to go to Mexico? And I was like, um, sure. <laughs> and so... I, she helped me apply to a bunch of different grants on campus, and that next summer, which was my sophomore summer, we went to Mexico together. It was me, her, I think three other professors, and then four students from different universities in the United States, and we did a lab season in Teotihuacan, Mexico, and that was just like a super awesome experience. It was really cool because... I got to fly in a hot air balloon over the ancient city what? of Teotihuacan, which was Dude, that's crazy, awesome. super crazy. And one thing in particular I remember very distinctly about that fieldwork is I was working with figurines and they were formative periods so maybe like 3,000 years ago um, while they were still uh, like hunter-gatherer societies just starting to get sedentary. And so we found this little like dog duck looking really crude formative figurine and found out that it was actually a whistle because one of our people figured out that there was a hole in the back of it so we dug out the dirt from the hole and then I was the first one to make sound out of this whistle in over 3,000 years since it was deposited and I was like mind blown this is a crazy field I want to do this forever (laughs) that sounds like such an amazing experience from just even the balloon to blowing into this whistle. Did you actually like put your mouth on it or did you just yeah, like blow I, it? I actually put my mouth on it, which is kind of concerning. Maybe, I mean, I didn't get any ancient diseases, so we're fine there, but maybe don't put your mouth on ancient artifacts. <laughs> yeah, we do lick bones for a living. That's too. true. That's true. That's true. Archaeologists yeah. do a lot of questionable things. But so. what, did, what did it taste like? Is my question. <laughs> what did it like? Very mm. old dirt. Was it? Oh, that's kind of. Was it a taste builder? Oh, no. Did you immediately need? To, okay. No, I was. I was well, too then. hyped on the experience to even register what it tasted like. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if now you can go back. If you were to go back during this level of your life and, and be like, the oh, this dirt, this dirt tastes divine. <laughs> Gross. Definitely not going to do that. But I do hope to go back to Teotihuacan someday. It was such a cool, um, just like, experience. The archaeological park there is incredible. It has Pyramid of the Sun and the Moon, which you can climb up. Um, It has the Street of the Dead, which is this really long procession of just like all these ancient um, temples and, well, not temples, all these ancient platforms uh, where people used to live. And it's super cool. I highly recommend you go check it out if you ever get the chance after this pandemic is over. Hot sounds absolutely amazing. Yes. So what about you, Michaela? What jump-started your passion for archaeology? I, I don't know when it started, 
I remember being in the third grade. Third grade. There was there was a program that had come out on the History Channel, and it was I remember it being out at nine p.m. So I was not allowed to watch it because it was past my bedtime. Mm -hmm. Because my bedtime was nine p.m. when I was in the third grade, which is like eight or nine years old, I believe. Uh huh. And it was about Pompeii, and I was just absolutely fascinated. So you were a little rebel and stayed up to watch it. Oh, I recorded it. (laughs) (laughs) Not not too much of a rebel. (laughs) Yeah, we recorded it on VHS, I think. Probably. Yeah, that just kind of dates it. And I remember it was during that time in that third grade class where we were talking about like all different aspects of history. And I wasn't doing that well in the history classes, but I remember the stories from them. And it was just, like, all, like, the dates and all these, like, weird things that you had to remember about them that didn't seem too, like, yeah. noteworthy for me. Uh, that I was just like, oh, I'm more interested in this and this, mm-hmm. not, like, in these specific facts that you want me to memorize. Those classes were the worst, where you had to remember, like, specific dates of events and, like, who was the leader during that time. I Yeah, I'm much more a fan of, like, the whole encompassing story of the class. And I think those yeah. classes are what drew me into history in general especially when you have a teacher that's so passionate about it Mm -hmm. and I don't know if she I don't remember if she was it's been a little bit (laughs) of time since my third grade time growing up I would always go to museums always be like mom take me to a museum like let's go do a family museum day it wasn't until high school that I found anthropology and I at first wanted to be a forensic anthropologist because CSI and TV shows (laughs) I was about to ask it sounded really cool. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this looks really interesting. And I've always been like a history fan and museums. So I've always loved learning about different cultures and just different people. And so I went from mainly forensic anthropology, where I was looking into universities in Texas as a 14 year old freshman wow. in high school, to actually looking into all of anthropology and specifically archaeology. And then I went into my undergrad. Undergrad was fun. I learned a lot about anthropology, specialized in visual anthropology and archaeology, but not as much archaeology. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that it was, I didn't have that click of a moment until my last summer before I graduated. I was starting to think about what I wanted to do next. It was the spring of 2017. I was making a f- two different films. I was in a watershed analysis course and like just trying to figure out what I wanted, especially because the winter term was going to be my last term. I was like, what what do I do? (laughs) First, I was going to teach English in South Korea. And then my backup after that was full-time job and then maybe a master's. Impending doom of graduation. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't know what to, what what is it that I want to do? And like my brothers kept asking me and I'm just like, you know. I'm not too sure right now. I need to actually think about it and not say like, oh, maybe this, maybe this. And so I found an opportunity to go to Bulgaria on a field school. Wow, Bulgaria. It was, oh my gosh. It was Had amazing. you ever been in that region before? I had never been to Eastern Europe. Wow. So you just up and decided to go to Bulgaria. Yeah, That's I just crazy. up and decided. I found, the first site that I found um, from the Balkan Heritage Field School was a Byzantine site mm-hmm. and I saw photos from it and like the Byzantine like artifacts are beautiful I'm not the biggest fan of Byzantine art but we can get into that another time 
Um, and then I found this one. It was called Bresto. It's a late Bronze Age site in Bonia, Bulgaria. And for some reason, like, that just kept calling out to me. So I'm like, I'm going to change my application to that one. So I did. And then time progressed. It was time to go. Um, my brother decided to take his little sister to school in Bulgaria. And we took, like, a two-week trip around Europe where he dropped me off in Bulgaria. And in that time, he asked me, what do you want to do with archaeology? And that's where it clicked, that I wanted to use my visual anthropology knowledge and put it into archaeology. So visual archaeology. I wanted to be able to do visual things with archaeology and the artifacts and the sites and heritage and making 3D models using VR, being able to implement it into heritage sites and museums. I was like, this is it. (laughs) But what is this? I don't know what this is. So I started Googling. And this is when I was in Romania at the time, like before going into Bulgaria. So this was before you even started the project. Yeah, this is before I even It just clicked. It clicked. It was my click of a moment in the middle of summer. (laughs) (laughs) It was before, yeah. And I typed in what I was interested in into Google. And the first result was... Digital Heritage, University of York. Mm. And so I clicked on the page. I read everything in there. And it was like, it was like the program was made for me. I gotta do it. (laughs) I have to do this. So I immediately, it was like two in the morning. (laughs) I grabbed the iPad and I started typing out this email saying, hello, my name is Michaela Moriello. I'm a senior at blah, 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 blah. And I just like went into it. Like, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I found for your program. Would this, does this program fit aligned with my interests in a way? And I had like, written yes, the, please come. The basically, yeah. It was the <laughs> director of the program at the time, Dr. Sarah Perry. And the next morning or this the next day, I like heard back from her saying like, yeah, like it sounds like you you really fit the interest of this. Um, let's have a Skype call after wow. I finish my field work. And I'm like, That's I'll awesome. be finishing my field school at the same time. And then I did my field school, and in the field school, we did photogrammetry and, like, just 3D modeling and all this stuff that I was, like, thinking about. And I was like, I'm actually <laughs> able to do this before I even go to the program. This is that's awesome. awesome. So you got some hands-on experience. Yeah, and that's just, it just clicked. That's so cool. We we kind of started ta- or thinking about digital archaeology around the same time then. Because when I was, I think it was, like, senior year of college, I was already, like, well into my anthro degree. And then we had this new professor come in, and his name was Jesse Kasana, and he was doing remote sensing research in Syria, Iraq, Iran, like tracking looting and cultural heritage destruction um, by these like terrorist groups, and just like general um, like development and how that like destroys heritage sites just like naturally with people like not really even think of thinking about the effect of like plowing over a heritage site or whatever so yeah he came into the department and I was like oh my gosh this stuff sounds so cool I didn't even know you could like do archaeology from space that's crazy and so I I was like hey can I this is like my theme I just go and ask like hey do you need any help and they're like sure free labor (laughs) and so I got on his project um, and it was basically just using ArcGIS this was my first introduction to like ArcGIS the mapping software And so I just sat in his lab, like, clicking around northern Iraq and Syria and just, like, putting whether I saw, like, any, like, heritage damage or looting or cultural whatever and worked with that project 
um, for the rest of my degree and then ended up doing some GIS courses um, in undergrad too. So I didn't actually know digital archaeology was a thing until the end of my degree. And like right when I found out about it, I pretty much strictly took geography classes so that I could get good at the software because I knew that that was something that I wanted to do because it was so unique from like everything we were learning prior to that because everything else is like bioanthropology or cultural anthropology mm-hmm. and like archaeology isn't super big in the U.S. I feel like in undergrad yeah. it's all just like a subsect of anthropology under this big anthropology umbrella and we only had maybe like three archaeology specific courses throughout the whole time I was mm-hmm. in undergrad and so like I knew archaeology was super cool because of the Mexico trip I went on but I never really like got my fix from um, any of the other courses until I started on that digital archaeology project and we did a little photogrammetry um, on that project also and photogrammetry is just so awesome and it's I know so you can cool. attest to that too it's so so cool so easy so useful too and I knew that I love digital archaeology from that but after I graduated I actually went into cultural resource management work because my professor always told me like you need CRM experience you need it or else like no one's gonna take you seriously because you don't have any experience in whatever work and so yeah I ended up getting a CRM job right out of um undergrad but then like super cool though yeah it was super cool I mean I didn't really like it but we can talk about that (laughs) later but so while I was doing the CRM job I was like I I want more education like this isn't satisfying enough for me and so that's when I looked up the University of York thing I basically just googled digital archaeology masters and there's obviously nothing in the U.S. because U.S. like what is digital archaeology they don't even have like archaeology specific programs and so the first ones that popped up were like University of York, University of Edinburgh, uh, Cambridge and so I was like I guess I'm going to England to study digital (laughs) archaeology. I mean it's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. And I wouldn't trade that experience for the world either. Like getting into that program and meeting you and all of our friends and everything was such a cool experience, especially like with York in general. York is such a historically rich place in the world. And I think it's like the only UK city that still has its original medieval wall around the city, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it's so crazy. It was so cool just, like, walking to class and there's, like, castles on your right and ancient medieval wall on your left and all these crazy historic buildings. Yeah. And then you have, like, the contemporary stores, like, H&M and Primark, and then they're just, like, (laughs) in these very old buildings. Yeah, it's a crazy mix of, like, old and new. Like, the Starbucks in York is, like, crazy beautiful. It was, like, in an old bank. (laughs) So you know we had to go there in oh, the morning yeah. we went there like every day to study it was it was the only coffee shop open at 7 a.m <laughs> that we would easily be able to walk into exactly. that's our excuse and i'm sticking by it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i miss england so much but yeah like we we had to go to england to fulfill our digital archaeology i i want to go back to what you said about archaeology not being really prevalent in undergrad Mm -hmm. because it's just you have to learn all about anthropology and 
I like you said you had three specific courses in archaeology. Mm-hmm. I think we also had three, mm-hmm. maybe four. We had like an intro and then like maybe a couple others, but I only took two. One was the intro and one was a prehistory course mm. that was mandatory. But I just, I didn't click in the classes. I was just like, I'm yeah. not, it was mainly CRM focused. Maybe that's why. Yeah. And I'm, that's when I started going more towards visual anthropology. I took a course with Dr. Stephen Rousseau Schindler and his passion for visual anthropology was so, it really touched me. And that's where I, I made my first podcast. And then the next course I took with him for a digital visual anthropology, I made a film and then I took another class with uh, a different visual anthropology professor. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah, I definitely think it really, it's not so much the courses, but who's teaching them, I think, really makes the yes. bigger impact. Because I had so many courses where it was just like, ugh, like this is interesting, but I'm not like drawn into it, and I don't feel like passionate mm-hmm. about it. But like once we threw in like these crazy research experiences that professors had and like how they can help students bring the students into their research too and work on these crazy projects. I think being able to like work with your hands in Mm -hmm. research really helps make a course valuable. Yes. And just being there for the students too. It's just like, I'm really interested in this. And like, I can see that the professor is really interested. Like I'm not intimidated just to go up and ask because I'm also really interested in this. The spring before I graduated, it's like that in that period, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was taking a course in classical archaeology. It was in the classics department, not even anthropology. I have PTSD from my classics classes. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had the best professor though she was absolutely like radiant and she just loved everything that she did she would always bring in artifacts because she specialized in Greece Mm -hmm. and she'd bring in like little artifacts and she would show pictures and then she was just always like so spunky and like energetic and she would just be like her energy was just bouncing off all over the place and it was just so like effective and so even like going into the field work in Bulgaria which is a late Bronze Age site, I was able to apply my knowledge that I remembered from that course that had been, like, several months prior. It was, like, what, the course ended in May. The field work started in July. Yeah, and I definitely think, I think you would agree with me here, but I'm really grateful that we started in an anthropology-based program and then went into the UK to where it was more, I feel like the UK is more, like, technical research. So you're, like, learning how to do things, Um, Not necessarily why you're doing them, though. And I think Mm -hmm. anthropology in the U.S. does a really good job with giving you the reasons why we're doing this research and what makes everything so important rather than just like, oh, we're collecting data and this is what we're doing with it. And I think you and I both were able to get a really like well-rounded education coming from both programs with such different like views on how education works. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely agree with that because anthropology and undergrad in the States, you learn about like the four subfields of archaeology, I was going to say of archaeology, <laughs> of anthropology, where it's cultural, linguistic, archaeology, and physical mm-hmm. or biological. Mm-hmm. And so you just get such a, a vast perspective and you learn all about theory. It's like 
almost all theory. Pretty much exclusively. Except for the archaeology classes. <laughs> well, even in the archaeology classes. I mean, even classes. the archaeology classes, it's just theory. <laughs> I remember crying over theory a few times, but it's worth yeah. it. Yeah. It's worth it. It is. It is. Because you actually learn, so then when you go do something that's only practical, you're like, oh, this is why we're doing this, because then you pull in that knowledge from mm-hmm. a different course. Mm-hmm. And being able to have such a, an extensive background with the four different subfields you can apply each of those fields into your current practical work. Exactly. And I think it just makes that research so much more valuable to be able to bring in all of these different views into yeah. into just mere data collection. Like archaeology is so much more than digging in the dirt and finding something. You're unveiling like whole cultures from the past and learning about what makes us who we are today and I definitely think we need to hang on to that view as we progress into sorting through all the data that we've collected over the last 50 years or so, you know? <laughs> it's like, why is this data important? What are we going to do with it? Yeah, it's, what's what's the significance? Like, we're going to collect it, but what can we do with then it? What? Now we have all this technology where we can do so much with it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's um, where archaeology is probably going to head a lot in the future is um kind of like backlogging because we dug up so much in like the early like 70s 80s 90s and yeah I think a lot of our like infrastructure like museums and labs and everything they're just packed full of artifacts and we need to figure out what we're going to do with them so I think that's why this new generation of archaeologists is really turning towards digital archaeology a lot because there's a lot of like non-invasive methods. You don't have to dig up sites anymore. You can leave them where they are and then analyze them from above with stuff like magnetometry and remote sensing and ground penetrating radar and like all this crazy technology where you don't have to destroy history anymore. I mean, archaeology is traditionally very destructive process and I don't think that's going to be the case in the future and we need to leave it there for for our future (laughs) exactly that's exactly what I was going to say (laughs) exactly yeah exactly what I was going to say especially because as soon as you start digging you've already destroyed it exactly in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. and like in the research I've been doing recently um our program director um, she's basically like, I'm going to do whatever I can to not have to excavate. And so we're mm-hmm. going to use all these methods and we're going to walk around a bit, do some surface survey, but I do not want to excavate because that is not our goal here. We want to learn about the community as a whole. We're not trying to look into one specific household or one specific temple or that sort of thing. We're trying to learn about how the people who lived here so long ago interacted with their environment and their neighboring cities, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think, That's awesome. yeah, I think yeah. archaeology has definitely shifted over the last decade and into the future too, with digital introductions. So we just talked about how we got started in archaeology and kind of went into the different steps that we've taken to get to where we are and like how we feel about it. But I'm, I'm really curious about something, Alyssa. Um, what is archaeology to you? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? So what archaeology means to me, I think 
more in a sense that it's brought me this amazing community of people and network that I can take from and like for in the UK for example I met you guys and all these crazy amazing archaeologists coming from all around the world and brought into England in our digital archaeology program and that was so cool but like even more so while I was in the UK I also started talking to someone who had graduated from my same undergrad university like 10 years before I did and like we met on Instagram and started chatting and then like she invited me to do research in Cambodia and so then I got to travel to Cambodia and do research in a region of the world that I had never given a second thought to or even could really point to on a map before that and now like (laughs) embarrassingly so even with your geography yeah exactly I mean we didn't (laughs) didn't really study the world like that Mm -hmm. but so I had only had experience in Mexico and I was really interested in like ancient Near East archaeology because of the Syrian heritage project and then I was in England around like Roman history and then this random person on Instagram who came from my school like invited me to Cambodia and that's like something I had never thought of but now having gone there and done some research there for an extended period of time I think that's going to be like my main focus for the rest of my life which is insane because two years yeah two years ago like never even thought of Cambodia and now it's the only thing I think of in terms of research and what I'm doing and now I'm going into a PhD to like study it also and so I think it's just so crazy with the archaeology community and experience in general, like you just never know what's going to happen mm-hmm. or where you where you will be like a year from now because of all these like unique and different people you meet and all these unique projects you get to be a part of and you just never know like what different turns your life is going to take. And I think Honestly. that's, yeah, it's just such an exciting part of archaeology. And it's it's really addicting, too. And that's something I love about the field. <laughs> it's just you, you never know what's going to happen. And anything that does happen is usually really awesome. And it just adds to your character and your resume <laughs> and, like, your friendships. And, like, I've met so many, like, every archaeologist I've met has been amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so excited to continue to be a part of this community and work in archaeology. I'm just, I'm super happy about it. <laughs> yeah. What about you? For me, archaeology has, what, it's just given me a place, you know? <laughs> it's been an outlet I for feel me that. Yep. in so many ways. And it's filled with equally ambitious people with similar interests. And you can just talk and talk and talk about archaeology, about certain things, and just go into research and theory and just being able to talk amongst each other and they just understand and then we also have very different (laughs) interests oh yeah definitely so it's just like we're digital but even in digital we have different parts of digital like Mm -hmm. you're going more into gis and i'm going more into 3d vr and all that fun stuff i think also with like our i dig it podcast we have an intro Um, section where people who come in and introduce themselves and what they're doing we've already seen so many different varieties of archaeology some that I had never even thought of like nautical archaeology and the Mediterranean and like random stuff like that and it's so cool there's so many different focuses you can have but you can always still fall back on the similar interest Mm -hmm. of archaeology Mm -hmm. and being like that sounds so interesting I would love to hear more about that 
And then they just go more into it. And it's like, oh, what is this though? And what's that? And it's, I've only gotten good vibes from it in a way. We love vibes, but like everyone's just so <laughs> everyone's so passionate about like, the work. Yeah, in general, I don't think you're in archaeology unless you're passionate about what you're doing. Because, like from yes. the get go, you're told like this is a field that you're probably not going to make a whole lot of money in. They're like, "What are you even mm-hmm. going to do with archaeology?" Oh, like, yeah, yeah. What are your plans? So, like, no one pursues this unless they love what they're doing. And I think you really yeah. see that. And everyone you talk to in the field is everyone just loves what they're doing and they're so happy everyone to be where they are. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone's also interested in learning more, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm like specialized in this and this, but I'm taking this course because I want to learn more about this. Yeah. Exactly. Or it's like, I'm going back to school to get another master's to learn about this because mm-hmm. this can benefit me in some other way. Mm-hmm. And like you said about networking, it's just, being able to use, like, the people that you've met and just talk amongst each other and being able to be like, hey, I saw this job opportunity that you'd be great for. Here, let me send you over. Yeah. Or even like, hey, I'm working on this project. You want to join me? And then yeah. you get a new experience out of it. And yeah. it's so crazy. Something so cool. that I've seen is that there's just endless opportunities and there's so many possibilities for anybody out there. And you just, all you gotta really do is ask. All you gotta like, do is Like ask. what you've done. <laughs> yep, yep. That's my, yep. Hey. I tell everyone, I'm like, the sooner you get over your fear of, like, approaching people and mm-hmm. asking for help, the sooner you'll be successful in what you love mm-hmm. doing. And I think that's a barrier that a lot of people have issues with, especially in fields where it's all about, like, like resume and, like, did you do this, this, and this, and this course? And that's what yes. makes you qualified. I feel like archaeology def- or humanities in general, it's not about, yeah. like, the list of classes you've taken. It's about the people you've met and the experiences you've had and your ability to network and reach out and do more with it. And, yeah, like, that's that's always the advice I give people is just, like, ask your professor you if someone if someone's doing something interesting just slide in their dms and ask if they need any help <laughs> because hey, like help? like it's likely that they will want to help you and i think that's another thing about archaeologists is we're all we all just want to help each other and because mm-hmm. we're so passionate about what we're doing and the more people we can get yeah the more people we can get in our field like wanting to do what we're doing the better and yeah i i just love this community so much it's, it's such a good community. That's all I have to say. And like, I, say. I don't have anything bad to say about it. I mean, sure, there's probably some bad, but yeah, I mean, the good, good. I mean, there's bad in everything in some way. If you take it like that, yeah. if you take it as being bad, otherwise you just would be like, oh yeah, well, that's not for me. I'm yeah. just going to go do my thing. <laughs> the only bad thing I would say is kind of the stress of living like, like you're not living paycheck to paycheck. You're living grant award to grant award and if you don't get this research funding from whatever respective place then you just can't do what you're trying to do but Mm -hmm. um I think like the networking aspect plays a lot into that too and your success in receiving those awards that's true yeah. yeah so again it just depends on like how much effort you put into putting yourself in a good position to be able to apply to things yeah even if you just go onto twitter and be like hey i'm really struggling with finding grants like does anybody out there hashtag archaeology know about any grants for 
XYZ. Mm-hmm. And there's so many archaeologists on Twitter and Tumblr, too, that are just aching to help. So Yeah. Always active. Always we active. We love it. We're a super active social media community, that's for sure. It's it's beautiful, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> for something that people think as not being beautiful, other than being romanticized in film, <laughs> it's it's really the most beautiful job, I, in my opinion. And that's a completely biased in opinion, opinion. And I'm too. sorry for being biased. <laughs> we, we got two but, biased opinions. I agree. Yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, what other job allows you to travel the world? A uh, social media influencer. <laughs> you you know what? You are not incorrect. <laughs> Maybe we'll be both one day. You know what? We can be a we'll social media try. influencer archaeologist. <laughs> be sponsored by Nat Geo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, we're working on that one. We're trying to apply to Nat Geo grants. In the making. That's awesome. Yeah, oh, so if, if you guys have any similar experiences or completely different experiences please share them with us we really want to do a segment on this podcast that's sort of like a mini-sode where we read out your experiences that you send in and I think that'll be a really cool way to kind of introduce different fields and maybe give some advice pulling it from other sources and then we'll also try to invite some other students out in our discord we already have um, a lot of people coming from undergrad and graduate school phd high school Oh, yeah, high schoolers. We have a couple of professors in there, too. So I think we're going to source a lot of our guests from probably the Discord channel, maybe some Twitter, too. But, yeah, send in your stories. We'd love to read them. We'd love, we'll love to, to hear read them. them. I'm so We can so only excited. give the experiences that we have. Yeah, exactly. And so by being able to read or talk to some of you mm-hmm. who have a lot of different experiences in different fields. Mm-hmm. It would be so enlightening for the both of us. Yes, and for everyone else listening. And so excited to read them. Please send them in. Look forward to it. Send it in again at idigitpodcast at gmail or at any of our social media platforms. Yeah, we, we kept it straightforward. I dig a podcast. <laughs> I dig it because we dig it. We dig you. We dig each other. Yeah. We dig the field. <laughs> I dig you, Michaela. Oh, I dig you. <laughs> I even dig in my backyard during this time because I can't go out excavating. <laughs> my brothers keep yelling at me why I'm digging up the backyard. Yep, yep. But do you know what? Yep. We're not going to worry about that. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for being here for our first episode ever of I Dig It. I'm super excited for what will become of this. Feel free to send in suggestions and your stories. And yeah, I'm super stoked about this. How about you, Michaela? It was just so interesting because like I know a lot about you, but I also feel like I just learned more about yeah, you. Yeah, I feel like we talked about it's some like, stuff we've never talked about. <laughs> oh my god, our friendship is bonding even more. <laughs> and I just wanted to give a shout out for the theme song. It was created by the awesome Cola Break, and he's in a band called Luna Riptide. It's a local band in Southern California. Uh, go check them out on all social media platforms at Luna Riptide Band. Special thanks to our community of archaeologists on the iDigit Discord page. For more information, please visit our social media pages at iDigit Podcasts.